TNTM The Show presents New Mexico Comic Expo, the future of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles panel. At your high school. <laughs> uh, but we won't talk about that. There might be children in the room. There's another panel for that. There aren't any, there aren't any children in the room. We can talk about that. I think it was seven or eight years ago. Seven or eight years ago? And was that at, that was at IDW seven yes. or eight years ago. Who was the writer? Um, Do you remember? On the Michelangelo one show. <laughs> No, it was not. It wasn't Tom? It was, um, I had write some movies. Uh, oh, I hate those guys. <laughs> it, was, it was not Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> but I, I can't remember the guy's name. I apologize. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting note, interesting note. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the only thing Quentin Tarantino has not ripped off in any way. <laughs> Never. Next movie, though, fingers crossed, Turtles. Then what was your first uh, Turtles book? Um, I did the retailer incentive cover, so the one in ten variant for issue fifty-five. They're all jumping out of a manhole and throwing the sewer cap. Um, and I drew it in twenty fourteen, I believe, and they didn't use it until twenty sixteen. So I thought they just said yes to like shut me up. Um, <laughs> and they were sitting on it, and I, I I didn't want the check. I wanted the comic to come out. And so then when they actually used it, that was good, and it kind of opened up the floodgates, and I got to do a lot more covers, both. Uh, directly through IDW and then some store or convention variants, um, things like that. And then, and then you and Kevin collaborated on something. Yeah, Kevin and I made a big book called uh, Target R. It was the Raphael macro series, so not the micro series. It's the oversized, uh, double size. I think it's 48 pages, and we called it Target R um, because it was uh, Kevin's love letter to WebNX, and Raph is essentially poked at and prodded and tortured and pushed to his breaking point. He loses his bandana and all his belts and stuff like that. His eyes turn red. And I think it's the most angry he's ever been. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice. And you were a you were a Turtles fan growing up? Me? Yeah, you. Yeah. I know the answers to all of these questions. <laughs> I, I came into the That's world. the secret to moderating, is you know the answer to all the questions. Right? I came into the world in 86, so I was wow. like three years behind turtles so they were already going and I just saw the first thing saw the light and I said oh Ninja Turtles and uh, <laughs> and so I was always obsessed I have pictures of me like in turtles everything underwear it was playing on a television monitor in, in the delivery room my parents were big fans too yeah. <laughs> um, and so so now I have those photos of me like as a little kid and all that stuff and guys like Steve Levine or Kevin will be like hey I drew that and I have this picture of me with like a big Raphael mascot at some like Chuck E. Cheese or something, and Steve is like 90% sure that he was in that suit. <laughs> it's pretty fun to now be doing the turtles and also, of course, working on stuff directly with Kevin and David, of course. Um, yeah. Drawing blood. Who's heard of drawing blood? Anyone? Yeah, we're gonna nice. talk a little bit about that too. We're just gonna take this thing over. So. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. And Andy, what was your first exposure to the turtles? Um. Well, so I remember seeing issue number one in my comic shop Me too. Uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And um, and I was I was already buying, you know, oddball stuff. I, sure. mean, I, I, I was picking up service and right. other, you know, other stuff, but I, I, but I did not pick it up. I remember just looking at it going, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> and right. I just didn't, I didn't pick it up. And then, so for me, like the turtles, I came late to the turtles. Mm -hmm. I was like a, a I always thought they were cool and you know a fun thing, but it, but it really wasn't until after I got the job I that I had to, I did a deep dive, you know, and and sort of am a 
you know, a, a backwards Turtles fan now. Sure. You know? Sure. I came to it after I got the gig. And I, with my, with my typical sharp-eyed business acumen, someone, uh, I bought issue one because I thought it looked cool. Nice. I was in college in 85, right? That was 85 or 84? 84. 84. I was still in college. Uh, and uh, read it, thought it was a really funny mashup parody of Chris Claremont's New Mutants and the X-Men and Frank Miller's Ronin and Frank Miller's Daredevil at the time. And I went, yeah, but this is such inside baseball comic book stuff. No one's going to read this. It's not a big deal. And a friend of mine down the hall was like, oh, that looks cool. I'd like to read that. And I handed him Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one and never saw it again. <laughs> so uh, I don't like to calculate the value of what I handed that guy. I don't even remember who it was. Uh, and then never saw it again. Well, uh, famous story, Ralph Bernardino at Jetpack Comics. Mm -hmm. He was the one who threw that first con. Um, it was the Portsmouth Traffic Circle in New Hampshire where I was born. I had no idea that the Turtles had just, you know, been birthed that close to where I was birthed. And, uh, but Ralph had boxes and boxes of Turtles issue one, and he always talks about how he, he ripped them up and collaged them into like tables and Mod Podge posters and like did his bathroom oh, door man. and stuff. And so he has none left now. Oh, but he had like man. four boxes full of it. And so calculate that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a guy I would have treated mine terribly and it would be, you know, a CGC 1.0 right now. I, I would too. Yeah. I, I, I read my comics, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I looked at. What does it like a mint? Condition number one, go for like first printing right now. People in the comments will probably know. Uh, yeah. Rich Horn downstairs definitely knows. Last time we all said ninety thousand. Yeah, right. One well, recently, right. one recently sold. So how many are in a box? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, that's that's, that's yeah. It's a down payment on a house, basically, Ooh. or a real house outside of a major city. Yeah. I live in Los Angeles, so I'm like, oh, ninety thousand dollars. You could get a, you could buy one. 20th of an apartment for that. It's really good. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, what else have I got? Uh, what, what are you working on now, Andy? Are you doing a Turtles thing now? Uh, I am uh, waiting to hear back on a top secret project, which I cannot mention. Ooh. You just mentioned it last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's top secret. Yeah. But, uh, fingers crossed, it'll be really, really cool if it happens. Nice. And are you returning to the Turtles anytime? Thing? Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I'm doing a bunch of covers. I've got uh, one for '97. That's coming out. It's uh, an exclusive for the show in New Hampshire. Um, and that's the Jenica. It's the Jenica. She yeah. connects with my four connecting macro covers, and I'm gonna have essentially two for issue 100. Um, but I think that everybody at IDW, because they know Kevin. They know that I'm uh, very busy, and so they won't let me do any turtle stuff until I finish turtle. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin. He's here. B. Eastman. All right, I'm gonna go watch until you guys start talking about drawing blood. How did it go? Good signing downstairs. I had to stop and see my cousin, Jason Mahoney. Sure. sure. <laughs> Jason brought over all of his toys that he used to play with in the bathtub. Just those, those yeah. All of his Ninja Turtles toys. Are you yeah. on? Yeah, I think so. There you go. So, hey, man, what are you going to talk about? Are you going to talk about the future? <laughs> you going to talk about the future? Yeah, no, 
You can talk about the future of the turtles. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kevin Eastman and three guys sitting with Kevin Eastman. <laughs> hey, we're not just three guys sitting with Kevin. We know him personally. Yes. Met him last night. Yeah. He seems we real cool. We had tapas together. Yeah, yeah we know. That is true. Uh, so what's what's coming up? What do you got? What's what's on the plate for the turtles next? Nothing. Really. <laughs> okay, it's been great, guys. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about Jenica. How long ago did you know about Jenica? Well, um, this year's actually going to be um, Babylon for one minute. Um, this has been a really interesting year um, this year because it's the 35th anniversary of the Turtles. Yay! That's okay. <laughs> so I've been doing this, uh, having this incredible job for the last 35 years, and it's all your fault. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you some more. Uh, I do say that I have the best job in the world because I have the best fans in the world, and this is a childhood dream for me um, to, to grow up and have uh, the ability to get up every day and draw conflicts for a living. So, and again, thank you for that. Um, so it's been a wonderful year, and we've done so many cool things, not only in the um, Turtle universe, but one of the things I love about the Turtle universe, um, and the IDW Turtle universe specifically, because it's um, something we've worked on for eight years um, with the incredible Tom Waltz, um, uh, who's the head writer. He's written every single issue, uh, all 100 issues, and he's absolutely brilliant in every way, shape, and form. Um, Barbie Curran, I was a series editor, and that's been fantastic. And then I get to work with some of the coolest guys. These guys are half my age. They draw turtles better than I do. Uh, huge fan of Andy's work, huge fan of Ben's work, and we sort of wrote Ben in for another project that David and I co-created together. We'll talk a little bit about towards the end. Um, but with this, this uh, evolution of I know everybody here loved the Venus uh, character, the girl turtle that I did <laughs> years ago. Um, Do you remember, who here remembers Venus the turtle? Yay. Oh, that's almost everyone. That was from the Saban show, for the eight of you that don't remember. There was a Saban live action turtle show in the 90s? Yep, mid 90s. It was mid 90s. And they had a lady turtle. Yep. And it was Venus. <laughs> we, who was universally acclaimed, and that's why she's in all the Michael Bay movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. It's only because she's dating true. Michael Bay, and that's why she's yeah. in the movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys totally got that one. Uh, mm, God. Um, ben, can you shut off the live stream? I'm not worried that Michael Bay is watching this. No, both Peter and I um, grew up as uh, huge fans of strong female characters, um, which is why we introduced April in the second issue of The Turtles. And we like that, that component, you know. Uh, Sarah Connor, Ripley, you know, those kind of things. So when we brought Venus into the Turtle universe, we thought it was a, um, a great opportunity to bring a, a, a strong female character and to be there right um, alongside the brothers and that kind of stuff. But I think it was just done maybe a little awkwardly and, and I think people were resistant because it was a live action TV show. We'd never done that before. We came right off a pretty successful animated TV series. Um, and it just was, um, I think went about it the wrong way, but I had a lot of fun working on that series. There's some really great characters that came out of it. Um, and the character of Venus, um, you know, never left our minds. And Tom Waltz from the early on when we got to mid thirties, mid forties of the series had talked about bringing in a, a female character, a female turtle, but we weren't sure how to do it. We had to be something that, um, we established very early on in the Turtle series is it's, it's story first. It wasn't like we never did anything in the series that was like, hey, let's do this to beef up sales, or let's do this, or let's try this. Like even when we, um, you know, killed Donatello in issue 44, which was this great idea that Tom and I had, um, what we loved about the Fugitoy character and this human consciousness inside this robot, and Don's relationship with Metalhead, we said, well, let's put 
you know, Don gets really hurt. We put him in Mel has body for a while. It makes a cool story arc, and then we put him back. Right. And by the time the issue came out, Courtney, my wife, in the back, we were sitting there at a convention, and it was like people coming up crying, going, like, "What did you kill Don? Like, we didn't. We didn't." I was like, "Don't you people watch Star Trek? Spock's coming back. It's going to be okay. Dry your tears. One more movie. Wait it out. It'll be fun." <laughs> and he keeps coming back to me. Yeah, which is great. Can't, can't and so with the. Uh, um, we got to issue 50, and then Tom and I um, had come up with a pretty clear idea of what we, you know, when I say clear, that we, we had a wish list of things we'd like to do going towards issue 100. And issue 51, um, Tom introduced this character called Jenica, um, and it was a kind of a female assassin. She was aligned to the original Foot Clan, and uh, was hired to kill the Splinter and the Turtles. Um, they stop her, and then uh, Splinter takes on her, her wing um, to sort of have her see the right path, to choose a better path. Um, and she became a very popular character very quickly, um, and we love that. Uh, so we said, well, geez, we see a seed here that we can plant and continue build this character's popularity. We can look towards maybe she'd be an opportunity um, to become the girl turtle because she's already become part of the family by issue 65. We really said, this is what we want to do as it moves forward. Now, when you introduced Jenica initially, you didn't have the idea that she would one day be transformed into a turtle, or did you? Exactly right. It was it was sort of like a sliver in our splinter in okay. our mind, but it's like when we introduced Jenica, it was not. We actually didn't think she'd go beyond the five or six issues. Okay, so it was um, because of her popularity, and then thinking, how can we keep her in the series? And yeah, yeah, okay. Because it was it made you know that's what's been so great again about the IDW series um, and the stuff that we've done on that series. Is, it is really is always story first and. And the character, she sort of almost led us that way. Because it's mm -hmm. like she sure. became popular as a character. We liked her. The fans really resonated with her. And we felt the transition of someone that's already part of the family. And we stole a bit of the She-Hulk um, uh, origin story where when Donatello, uh, Leonardo tran um, uh, has a blood transfusion into uh, her to save her life because they couldn't get into the hospital. Um, that's how she becomes. Right. That's genius. Turtle. And he, we'd hoped that that, you know, issue would resonate with the fans, but we were pretty much taken um, by completely by surprise at how popular she became very quickly. So. Yeah. And of course, tying her to the She-Hulk's origin that way is an echo of the way the tur original Turtle's origin is a satire nod to the Daredevil origin is <laughs> connected in that way. So we that's pretty much stole that's everything. Part of the, that's part of the, the noble tradition of the Turtles going all the way back is resonating with Marvel origin stories. Yeah, so. I don't think Frank Miller's ever forgiven me, so... Uh, <laughs> you stole everything from me, Eastman. Frank, Frank and Chris are bitter, and they shouldn't be, but, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, let's... Uh, do you want to... What's that? I think Frank's doing okay. He's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's, he's off drugs and high on life. No, that's not. <laughs> Listen, you want to say, um, if you, what did you guys talk about? I introduced them. Okay. They talked about uh, what work they've done on the turtles oh, and yeah. how they were introduced to the turtles. Utrum Empire. Good. That's great. Yeah. Big fan of these guys. And like I said, it's been so great. The, um, the guys that uh, I get to work with, and, I, and I'm not joking, it's like these guys are half my age and they draw much better than I do. Um, starting out with a. Uh, Dan Duncan, who started the series, uh, Corey Smith, of course, Mateus Santuclo, who was like, makes us all embarrassed. We should break all our pants and leave right now. He gets twice so. as good weekly. I know. <laughs> that guy is amazing. And Freddie, Freddie Williams, who draws yeah. the Turtle Batman. Uh, we should talk about Turtle Batman a little bit. Um, yeah. You guys seen the Turtle Batman movie? Turtle Yeah. yeah. Like it? Good? Yeah. I said good stuff. How did that project start, Turtle Batman? 
It was really going back to volume one. Volume one, it was funny because I, um, I don't know if you guys know a, um, a Jack Kirby character called Commandy. I was a, when I was growing up, um, 10, 11, 12 years old, Jack Kirby did this character called Commandy, who was the last boy on Earth. And it was um, set in a Planet of the Apes sort of universe where, um, uh, but in this case, it was just not only apes, but lions, tigers, everybody, all the animals ruled the Earth and the humans were the animals and the, and the slaves. Um, and I just love that series, and, uh, um, and Kirby as well. It was a huge inspiration. So I pitched, um, uh, I pitched uh, the people at IDW in DC to let me do a Turtles Commandy crossover, because it was perfect. The turtles would be in this world of animals. They, why would they want to come back? I got a little post-apocalyptic, and they go, and Dan Didio at DC goes, why would you do Commandy? Nobody knows who the hell that is. Why don't we do um, Batman? And we like, we didn't realize that was on the table. <laughs> <laughs> And didn't so, realize Batman was up for discussion. Exactly. And so fortunately it was, and uh, so they, you know, all of us, um, again, story first, kind of concept is, we brought in, um, they brought in uh, James Tinian, who um, uh, wrote the first, he's written all three series, but he wrote the first series and just did sort of wonderfully masterful job at not only um, bringing each of the characters into, uh, representing each of the different universes and all the key characters, it was, it was really something, um, and then on top of that, they brought Freddie Williams in as, a, as an artist. And Freddie and I have become really good friends. Um, but it's so funny because you meet Freddie and uh, his birthday is the same as mine, May 30th. And so he's, he, as a kid, he used to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be best friends with Kevin Eastman because my birthday is the same year. And I say that he's his. And, uh, and we were really good friends. That's great. <laughs> Freddie's great. What's amazing is now there's an animated movie, which you guys said you saw. And Andy did all the design. I was going to say he has, yeah. a, he has a whole line of action figures based on his turtles, which is like the dream. Obviously, you've done that, um, <laughs> but I want to do that. <laughs> it, was, it was a super fun gig. I, I, I had a, you know, basically work for three weeks and just, you know, send in drawings and, and, uh, and it was just, uh, just the coolest thing ever. Because I, 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 when I heard that Freddie got the got the gig doing the comics, I was like, oh, I want that. <laughs> so, when I, so when I got to work on the animated movie, it was like, and now thumbs you, up. You have toys, and Freddie doesn't have toys. <laughs> I'm, I'm super jazzed. <laughs> Somebody really, send me some toys. If you haven't figured out anything about the whole film, television, comic book industry, the thing to take from this panel is, it's about the toys. Yeah. <laughs> we we all toys. want stuff based on toys, and the companies want to make toys because they want to sell toys. toys. No, that was that was great. I really loved Andy's. Um, and it's, it's fun about the different artists that work on the turtles. Everybody brings their own sort of um, specific design element to the to how they draw the turtles, so claiming their own turtle turf, as I like to say. Andy's was very unique, and I knew right away. When, and I didn't even know he had he had gotten that gig until Courtney and I were visiting Nickelodeon. And we we're looking at designs. I'm like, holy, that looks like Andy's stuff. And he goes, Yeah, Andy Kuhn did all the designs. I'm like, geez, because it's like I did some. Um, you know the scene uh, where Michelangelo's discussing the cool factor of Batman? Oh yeah. On the, on the, I did those drawings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you see, like the drawing of Mikey on the board. Yeah. Like, we did and so, um, uh, oh, what was what's the director's name? Awesome kid, just went out of my head. Um, not Vince. Um, but anyway, he was showing me some scenes, and I'm like. Wow, those look like Andy Kuhn's turtles. And he's like, yeah, Andy did all the designs for those. Okay, all good. That was a great, very good. I, I, I just, uh, it was just interesting because I got a, got a call or got an email out of, out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested in? And I'm like, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely yes. That's awesome.
Yeah, and that's kind of how we met Ben too. And Ben's uh, sort of he sort of came into the turtles through drawing blood almost. Because uh, you had, well, you've done the Ghostbuster cover, cover right? Uh, you probably well, I started. That. I mentioned I started with fifty-five. Yeah. The cover directly from IDW as a one in ten variant. That's and, right. And then I started doing a lot of shop exclusives, con exclusives, um, and then I met you technically because I had sent you my creator on book, the aggregate, to yeah. get a quote on the back, and so that was kind of floating around. And then you know we got together, started doing drawing blood, and then. You finally got me on the insides of the turtle books with the Target R Raphael Mapper series. And hopefully, when Drawing Blood's done and I'm not busier than anything on earth, I can get more of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fun. But there'll, yeah, be, that's, there'll be some time between Drawing Blood 2 and Drawing Blood 3. A couple to weeks. Do some, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks. <laughs> a couple <laughs> weeks. Uh, and by the way, the director of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman is uh, Jake Castorina. Jake. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, do, we was, want to, do we want to take questions? Yeah, which is that Does anybody have now. questions? Do you guys have any questions? There's nothing off limits except my weight. Anyone want to step up to the microphone and ask a question with you? You can ask about his weight, he will just lie. That's the that's worth knowing. Uh, so I know y'all have the Batman Teenage Mutant crossover. Y'all have it like exclusive with DC for crossovers or or is there a chance for Marvel in the future? Man, I'd love, it's not exclusive with DC. It just worked out that it's been a great experience. We just finished it. Actually, I finished pages, um, eight pages of Batman Turtles Series 3, Issue 6, just before I got on the plane and came here. Um, but um, we've also done a Ghostbusters Turtle crossover, which was so much fun. Uh, huge Ghostbusters fans, and that was a real treat to do that. But I'd love to do um, uh, something with Marvel. I, you know, they'd never let us do Daredevil, which would be... Should be great, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the one they're going to propose is the Turtles and the Dazzler. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Dazzler. No, it's going to be Deadpool. Deadpool. Turtles, Deadpool. That would be great. That'd be mental. That'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. Did you have a? Did you? What would you like to see as a crossover? Do you have an idea? I told you yesterday. I would really like to see a Turtle Predator crossover. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was an awesome idea. That'd be. That would be dope. That would be very violent, and I like that. <laughs> Any other questions? All right, we got two here. Does this child have a question? Do <laughs> question now? Yeah. One more to say. Call them. Dinosaurs, not Ninja Turtles. I love dinosaurs. I've been super uh, excited about the Urban Legends, and I've been finishing Urban Legends. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's been super cool that I got to just complete that series. <laughs> Take the same approach and finish volume four. Oh, the is it volume four? That was the last Peter Laird yeah. one. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because, well, to me, the, I love the um, the image um, uh, series that you mentioned, the Urban Legends, which is being called at IDW. It was uh, originally scheduled to be 26 issues. Um, at the time when it came out, it was mid to late 90s, I think, in uh, black and white, and they only had to issue 23 before it was canceled. And so it took me a couple, three, four years to get an IDW to, to, to reprint it. And so they're not only reprinting it um, and doing it in color, then they're also, that's original team, uh, Gary Carlson and, and um, Frank, Frank, Frank Bosco, and they're finishing the, the, the last three issues, which is great. Um, but I know Peter, um, when that series, uh, Volume 4, ended, um, or not ended, but he has the opportunity to, to finish it, and I think he's just uh, uh, retired now. I'd like to see it happen, though. Enjoy retirement. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we did. A, we showed yesterday. Pete and I did a new cover for issue 100. So check that out. Let's talk about issue 100 for a second. What's coming for issue 100? Can, what can you tell the kids about issue 100? They go on a picnic. 
<laughs> With the Predator and Deadpool. And the Dazzler shows up. It's an amazing issue. It's perfect. It's an all action ish. Anything else? Anything real we can tell them about uh, what, what we got coming for issue 100? No, issue 100 has been, you know, once um, uh, we all reached issue 50 and we had, you know, that was a dream. I remember getting to issue 12, um, you know, back in the beginning of 2011 into early 2012 and we were like, man, if we could just get through these 12 issues and we get a fan base built, then, then you know, we really, we could have a, you know, a great ride. We had a, so many ideas of what we wanted to do. So we had a very specific plan, and thanks to all your support, we got to issue 50, and that had a very significant ending with uh, um, Shredder being killed, and, and that was so, even before we got to issue 50, we had our wish list, like I said, of what we wanted to do up to issue 100. And the final um, part of the issue 90, um, well, 89, all the way through issue 100 was our sort of, um, Love poem to the original Mirage Studio City at War series, which is the final um, volume one Mirage Studios um, issues um, 48 through 62. Uh, so we wanted to do City at War, and so we had some very specific ideas of what we wanted to do with that. And it's been one of those st slow and steady builds with so much stuff happening that you know suddenly we arrived at issue 90 and we not only had to expand the page count um, <laughs> almost on every issue. And now uh, issue, um, I think, tw uh, 97 and 98 are both uh, 26 or 28 pages wow. each. And issue 99 and 100 are going to be 40 pages each. And it's, and I kept telling people as we were approaching issue 90, I said, once you get there, if you haven't joined the series, jump on board. And if you're on the series, buy a seatbelt and buckle up because it's going to get crazy. And, it has and, been, uh, and what's the highest number that it was? 62 as high as a previous Turtles comic got? 62 is a, the original Mirai series got to 62, and the original uh -huh. Archie series got to 72. Oh, okay. So, it's like, so this is officially the longest running turtle. Great, I was, I was curious about that. Yeah, and I'd like to bring up again, again, Tom Wallace has written every single one of those issues, and they are just absolutely fabulous. And is Tom taking a break after 100? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, it was just announced at uh, San Diego when we were there. It's like um, Sophie Campbell, who's um, uh, actually had a big hand in designing Jenica, Tom's request. Um, and uh, um, Sophie's going to take over. I think issue. Do you know is it issue one through one hundred one through one hundred five? Do you remember from the panel? I think yeah. And then Tom comes back. Yeah. So okay. then we'll be Tom and I. Because we actually have another concept that we're pitching right now. Um, we're going to see if that can come to, together yeah. as an opportunity. But there's a lot. There's a lot more stories to tell. Um, Do you know who's drawing issue one hundred? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You have a gig right now. Yeah. <laughs> We can tell you what you want to see. Why aren't you at home drawing? <laughs> they gave me a flight and a hotel in there. Uh, I believe, did the Green Arrow have a question? I believe the Green Arrow had a question. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I was just wondering um, what, if anything, you did not create made an impact on you um, for the Teenage Mutant Turtles lore. Anything you weren't responsible that you really liked? Are you talking about stuff created by other people within the Turtles universe? Correct. Okay. Anything made an impact on you as the creator that you didn't necessarily think of? Well, anything that was good, I definitely had a hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't like it, nothing to do with me. <laughs> no, that was, um, especially in the early days of Mirage, what was so great about the team that we had together, um, uh, you know, Jim Lawson, uh, Ryan Brown, um, Michael Dooney, Dan Berger, a lot of these guys that brought so much to the Turtle universe, Steve Murphy, and a lot of those guys, because we produced like the original Archie series at Mirage Studios, we produced it for them. So I love that we were, on a regular basis, we were working on the original black and white, edgier version of the Turtles, but also managing um, 
the storyline with plotting for the Archie series, and that brought in so many, you know, from Man Ray, the Mutanimals, um, uh, so the wrestling issues, which I love very much. Um, and so um, there was always a great level of um, respect for people, even David Wise, who was one of the original um, series writers for the animated series. Did he create Rocksteady and Bebop? Am I remembering that correctly? Rocksteady and Bebop were inspired by uh, characters we created for the first um, right. role-playing game, but he brought them as Bebop and Rocksteady into that series. So right. we had a mutant warthog and a mutant rhino in the right. game. Right, right. It wasn't completely out of left field. Yeah. Right. So, but he also, he brought in Krang as well, which was also based on our right. Utrons, which are these little squishy-headed aliens. Right, right, right. So he brought them in. but. My favorite David Wise thing, and we worked, because at that time, especially the first five, um, all those early uh, animated series, Pete and I had full approval and worked on all 300 of the episodes, is uh, the hot rodding teenagers from Dimension X. Oh, which sure. Is, uh, the neutrino. <laughs> sure. <laughs> My favorite thing about the first twelve issues, and I've said this before, is it's so clearly an act of love with no oversight, editorial, or management. Because when I re I reread them recently because we did a a sort of pastiche with the radically rearranged Ronan Ragdolls or Cats uh, that's a spinoff from Drawing Blood and I reread the first twenty Mirage issues and I just went no editor at a comic book company would have let you take them into outer space in issue four <laughs> it would have been like you know can they fight crime in New York City for a year and then we'll do Star Wars but you guys were like no man outer space. Dinosaur aliens, you know, like it's just the energy of it is so great and you, you just wouldn't have gotten that within a comic book company infrastructure. No, that's a good point because it, it actually brings us to, to drawing blood too, but it's, because um, I remember when Peter and I were talking about, well, when he did the first issue, we never thought there'd be a second issue. That's why we killed Shredder and it was a complete story. Um, we were surprised that we kept getting calls after that issue sold out, people saying, well, when are you going to do a second issue? And we were like, <laughs> never thought of that. Um, and thank you again. Um, but um, so we did the second issue, but and that was a blast introducing April and Baxter Stockman, and it's a character that's still very uh, resonant and, and important in the Turtle universe today. So we were approaching issue three, and um, I was telling Pete, uh, I had some ideas, and I said, I want to do a car chase in a comic. And he's like, that's stupid. <laughs> he said, nobody does a car chase in a comic, we want to do a car chase in a comic book. I said, that's exactly why we were going to do it. And so we had this 13-page chase with April in the van and all the turtles in the van. Yeah. <laughs> through the park and all this stuff. Yeah. So it was, to me, it was, that was the exciting part, because we didn't have an editor or anybody else to tell yeah. us, you can't do this, you can't do that, because nobody right. does it. We just did it because we said, this would be really fun. I've never seen a car chase in a comic book. And so we had laid that out. That was so I also fun. remember hearing from you recently, you had never, what issue of the Ninja Turtles is it before you guys had ever been set foot in New York City? Because <laughs> the, the book takes place entirely in New York City, and it's two guys who have never left Maine, pretty much. Like, at what, how many issues in are we before you guys have been to New York City? There's quite a few. I think it was probably, let me see, let me see, by 80, 84, 85. Like, did um, you do New York Comic Con or Creation or something like that? I think we actually went to San, uh, San Diego Comic Con was in 86. So right. I think it was probably 86 when we finally went to, uh, to San Diego. To San Diego and New York City. I think we went okay. down there for a uh, All right. So that's a good, like, 10 issues. <laughs> yeah. They were writing about New York City in great detail and you've never set foot in. Yeah, that was, that was impressive. so great. I think we were doing some interview um, early on and because uh, it was. It, the sort of meteoric rise to successes. We were selling, suddenly selling 50,000 copies, and 
So this person that was interviewing us and saying, oh, so it's a martial arts-based comic book, so you guys are probably black belts, looking at Peter and I. Right? <laughs> and, uh, probably Peter black belts, is, you know, clearly. Peter Ophelia. You know, <laughs> he like, is. He's, 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 he's wiry. He's wiry. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's right. <laughs> Crouching bullfrog and hitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they said, you must be from New York City. And I was like, I'd never been to New York City. All my, everything I knew about New York, I ripped off from Jack Kirby panels. Right. And that was, what was, the, was, what was the choice to make it New York City? Was that just because that's where all the Marvel superheroes live? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like every, you know, it was, you had Gotham City, which was pretty much New York City. Metropolis yeah. was kind of a cleaner version of New York, right. I think. But, I, but to me, it was, it was the Marvel Universe was all yeah. New York City. That would be, like, since they are technically in the same city with Matt Murdock. So, That's right. <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense. Any other questions while we're babbling and We have one? In 85, you guys did a... Um, Question? Sorry. In 85, you guys did a um, role-playing game with Palladium with Eric Widget. Anything in the future for something like that, where it's... Because that was, that was much darker than... It, there seemed to be diverging paths, and the black and whites were very dark and sort of edgy. Mm -hmm. And that game was based on that. Anything more coming like that? Well, you know, it's it's great. I love those series. We ended up doing, I think, um, um, seven, seven role playing, seven. We did the original role playing game, and I think um, six supplements. We did Mutants Down Under and the, Gar the Galaxy one, the Outer Space one, and. Uh, um, after the bomb and stuff, but those are so much fun. I think the closest thing we've come to those is IDW Games that started doing, um, uh, what was it, Out of the Shadows, not Out of the Shadows. Um, is it Out of the Shadows? Yeah. They started doing, a, they brought back, because we love the role-playing games, and they became popular, really popular again, which is really awesome. And so they did a board game with lots of figurines and, and uh, role-playing game, very complex. I tried to play it like six times. and got to get a That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I need toys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about the toys. Yeah, it is all about the toys. They have to do a target. Um, yeah, I hope they, I think so. So that's the closest I think we'll come to it right now is what the IDW Games is doing. And I think that and they just released um, Zombicide. It was like some other game pack. And I think their big announcement this year was the board game, role playing game basis that they had. They merged the universes and the gameplay for the Batman games and some other things. So it's it'll be expandable into, into those, which is. Which is great. So I, I love those. And plus, I love the figures you get with them. So. Yeah, I, ba I backed it on Kickstarter because it came with like 300 figures. <laughs> I can't figure out how to play this game. But, but it's very beautiful. But you have the figures. Yeah. Yeah. It's just turned into a drinking game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll shot. Yeah. I want to ask uh, aside from the turtles, Andy, what are you working on right now? What do you got coming out next? Uh, well, I'm actually uh, in the middle of a thing that I'm writing and drawing for myself that I'm going to self-publish okay. uh, called Levi Grimm's Space Bastard. <laughs> and it's, yeah, that sounds fantastic. It's very um, sort of heavily influenced by the cartoon Samurai Jack. Yeah. Um, not, it's not a samurai story or anything, but it's sort of, you know, lone, lone badass character that doesn't really say much, but just, you know, is a general badass, you know. So uh, that's. Uh, but I'm I'm about halfway through it right now. How many issues? Oh, it's just a. It's just going to be like a. It's going to be 
printed like this. Oh, nice. You know, it's like a one one shot type deal. So how much longer do you think before you get that in? Mm, it's sort of something I'm doing, oh, okay. you know, it, uh, ideally uh, maybe September, October, if I, if, I can, oh, okay. if I can get it, you know, great. We'll let you get that first of, of energy to finish it up. <laughs> and then you've got the aggregate part two. Yep, I'm doing a, a book two. After you finish Prime Blum. Yeah, it's both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Both fans. Um, so, <laughs> so I've got yeah the aggregate book too. The aggregate's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi book with giant robots and spider cats. But it's really it's great, and yeah. it also has a unique quality. Yeah, it's the world's first split decision comic, which is a company I started so I can make choose-your-own-adventure graphic novels. Uh, this one's got four beginnings, seven endings, twenty choices in between, and all to be continued are beginnings in book two. And luckily, it's already written, so I don't have to go insane uh, and back into the writing mode. So now I just got to draw it. Um, with my left hand while I'm drawing, drawing blood with my right hand. Um, but I'm excited for that. I put a really far out deadline on that so I don't disappoint any people. It's uh, sure. March 2021. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. It's realistic. You, I think that's totally yeah. realistic. Yeah. And Kevin, you're doing pages for that, the Batman Volume 3. It's all done. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's all done? Yeah. No, actually, when I go home, I'm. There isn't a fourth on, issue? Six. Oh, it's six? Yeah, it's just just, the, Oh, you yeah. did the stuff for six already. Yeah, okay. so issue six, I did that, so when I go home... Because you also need to do drawing blood pages. Exactly, no, I was actually at TM, <laughs> so I sized them, got more size, they're in the staging area, so when I go home, I'm doing um, a couple other covers for uh, upcoming issues, um, 99 and 100, um, but it's drawing blood pages, because we're... Um, we're looking really good. Um, we're looking really good. We're, I don't, how many people here have heard of drawing blood? Well, that's a pretty good one. So Drawing Blood, for the few of you who don't know, is a semi-autobiographical story about a comic book creator who has a career that will seem vaguely familiar to you uh, if you're familiar with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, it's about a guy who creates a billion-dollar worldwide franchise, and he has a lot of money, and then he doesn't have a lot of money, and he starts a publishing company that maybe doesn't go very well. Um, and uh, it's sort of the story of him trying to claw, claw his way back up and deal with the giant messies man of his life. And the characters that he created, as I said earlier, the radically rearranged Ronin Ragnalls, Tezuka, Otomo, and Miyazaki. Uh, Three samurai cats. Adorable, adorable, adorable girl cats. Uh, and uh, we did volume one two years ago, uh, got it out to the Kickstarter people, and then this year in May, it became a newsstand comic and did pretty well. Uh, issue four of the Ragdolls is coming out in a week and a half. Of drawing blood. Yeah, yeah of, excuse me, of drawing blood. And we're in the middle of the Kickstarter for Volume 2 right now, uh, which will be another uh, four-chapter trade paperback. And the stretch, first time the stretch, goals were, the stretch goal was the Ragdolls comic. And who's, uh, who's publishing the, the comics? We are. <laughs> so publishing. You're looking at the publishers of uh, Drawing Blood. Yeah, we went to, I, I try not to be too discouraging for young independent comic book creators, but we did talk to some publishers about Drawing Blood. And uh, we decided to publish it ourselves based on what they offered us. Uh, well, so. is that too? You actually know it's a good point because it was it's something that we talked about early on, and um, and we just sort of having been in the world of publishing as much as I had, but we still even the deals that we talked about publishers are still all about the creative vision that we have. We said we yep. no matter what we're doing, we want to do it pure to exactly what we created, yep. what we want to write, what the, the creative team that we put together. And so when we were looking to self-publish, we said, well, let's see. 
Dock Horse or IDW, something would give us a decent deal, and it was no, it didn't work out. Deals were so not, was, that said, we we always exactly would have wanted, yeah, we always would have wanted complete control over it because that's sort of the greatest power you have as an artist is the power to say no, no, thank you, I will keep doing it my way. It's, it's so achievable to just make yeah. your own books these days. So it's like, why would you sacrifice anything? So yeah. we just we do a Kickstarter. We say, here's how much money we need to make it happen. You go kickstarter.com, Drawing Blood, and you can pre-order the book, and that actually funds us to be able to sit down for many, many hours and draw and write the thing, right. and, and print it, and ship it to you, and you get it first, you get a special version. Yeah, exactly. we make sure that w what we put out to the general public after the Kickstarter is not the same. what was available in the Kickstarter. What was available in the Kickstarter, I can't remember how many we printed, but it's like there were X number of trade paperbacks and X number of issues of the ragdolls, and that's it. Yeah. The Ragdoll's newsstand issues had different covers. The trade paperback we broke into four floppies. There will be a reprint of the trade paperback in a couple, three, four months, but it will have a different cover, it will have different back matter in it, it will have uh, a lot of different stuff in it. So we try to respect the idea of exclusivity and if you step up and support us when we need you, we respect that we give you something that only on a thousand other people in the world will ever own. And the, the other cool thing about it is you actually get to be a part of the book in a lot of ways. Like we have all these tiers where people are actually drawn into the book. We have these main character tiers where they have speaking roles and those have gone on to be real main characters that are now carrying over into yeah, volume, volume two. two. And they paid to be in volume one, they didn't pay to be in volume two, but, but it's like forever. We're stuck with them now, they're <laughs> characters in the book. Yeah, my favorite story is someone, I, you'll remember his name, I don't, wanted himself and his three-year-old, four-year-old, yeah. drawn into Drawing Blood. Drawing Blood is a fairly R-rated adult comic. And when he saw the first issue, he went, uh, <laughs> this might be a problem. <laughs> There's nudity and drug use and violence and cursing. And I think I said, how about the ragdolls? How about we draw you and your kid that's in the ragdolls? Because that's going to be adorable. So he's, he's actually had a kid since. Oh, another and, one. And he got the reward to do it again <laughs> in hopes that he can be in the next Ragdolls. Yeah, he, but definitely not in Drawing Blood. Yeah. <laughs> too, no. too dark for Drawing Blood. So that's all at uh, drawingbloodcomic.com. We have till the end of the month, August 31st, to try and hit our goal. We're about 12,000 away from the goal right now. So anyone, you can, even at the very least, just share the link so you can get it in front yeah. of your friend circles and then their friend circles. And the that's initial, key. the initial, uh, goal is for the four issue trade paperback. The stretch goal last time was the origin issue of the Ragdolls, which we had so much fun doing. And the Kevin did the layouts on it. The finishes were this great Canadian artist named Troy Little, uh, who draws sort of a more cartoony animated style. And Troy actually came to us since the last uh, version and said, I want to draw them in an even cartoonier style, and we can do the next Ragdolls thing as. You know, the ragdolls are sort of our way of commenting on the whole <coughs> history of a franchise and how it changes and the gritty dark version and the not gritty dark version. So the next stretch goal is a two-part a two part 40 page ragdolls adventure that's the comic book that would have been a tie-in to the children's animated show. So it's like the ragdolls, it's like the ragdolls Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah, I think it's called the ragdolls adventures. 
and it's drawn in a much more like kid-friendly way in the story. Troy actually pitched us a story, and I'm not a children's writer at all. And I read that, and I was like, wow, I wouldn't have come up with that in a million years. That is so great. So it's a story by Troy and a script by me. And so that, very cool. that issue is the one that when we hit 100, if you've already backed, even for like 30 bucks to get Drawing Blood Volume 2, you'll get that for free. And then as it goes higher, you get other stuff. For yeah, the, so the, when it's all said and done, you might have a big pile of stuff. Yeah, the, the final stretch goal is when we were developing the rag dolls, uh, Kevin was designing them and did sketch after sketch after sketch of working through the basic ideas. But while he was doing it, he kept it in an in-universe sense. So the sketches are actually signed Shane Bookman, the character from Drawing Blood. So the final stretch goal is this Ragdoll's creation sketchbook, which might be as much as 48, 50 pages, something like that, of original Kevin Eastman art that has never been seen and will never be seen if we don't hit that goal. So that's the final pitch for that. Anything, is any the, final is words? The book if it gets made, is it gonna be credited to Shane Bookman? Yes. Yes, yes. We always, when we do the in-universe stuff, cool. we hide the real credits in the back. You That's have to look great. for them. That's really cool. But yeah, Shane and Paul Bookman's radically rearranged running ragdolls. Great. Uh, that's all the time we have. Any final words, Kevin? Uh, no, I think uh, actually just, um, David also writes um, uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark comics, and Betty Page comics. For Dynamite. For Dynamite, so you should check those out. Those are awesome. Thank you. Um, Ben's pretending he's going to do other stuff, but he's really going to be working on drawing blood all the time. <laughs> um, Andy, I want to do another story with Andy sometime really soon, um, and hopefully that will all work out. And then thank you so much. We've had an absolutely killer time here. What? Photos at two? Oh, with the coming to our house with waffles at three? <laughs> I love waffles. Yeah. Um, so we're back to signing at four, I think, right, Colin? Three. Three. Three? Okay, three. Right. Oh, three to five. Photos of two, signing three to five. And actually, if you back Drawing Blood and you show Kevin at his table, he'll give you a free print for every 20 bucks, right? Yes. yes. So someone went away with four prints yesterday, and they have three books coming when yeah. the Kickstarter's done, so sweet deal. So it's like Christmas shopping, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Kuhn, Ben Bishop, Kevin Eastman. Thank you, Al. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Talk Nerdy to Me Network. Thank you for listening.